Thanks for coming this morning, guys. It's always nice to... I don't miss church very often. It happens very, very rarely, and the government made me miss last week. So apart from, a, apart from, apart from that, I, I try not to miss. Um, but I'm thrilled to be able to be back here this morning. You're going to have to excuse my voice. Um, I had COVID last week, and um, it's about as much fun as they've led you to believe. So for those who haven't had it, so um, keep praying for Melissa. She's just on the end of it at the moment. And my three kids got it as well. So we've, um, our house has been like a hospital ward. But um, it's been fun. But through this time, one of the things that I've really learned to appreciate is uh, chicken soup. You thought that was going in a real spiritual direction. Anyway, I was just to like, through the time, seriously, I'm serious, the chicken soup was, was just really f- had its own, it, it, it had its spot. And um, if it, we got soup in from uh, especially my amazing mother-in-law, and it wasn't chicken, we added chicken to it. I'm like, it is chicken soup now. And, uh, but there's, a, there's this, this is a really popular series of books called Chicken Soup for the Soul. It, it's a, and and I was, as I was thinking, I'm like, sometimes when you're in a place where we just, we just, we're like, we just need to cope. It's like sometimes we just need chicken soup for our soul. Sometimes we just need something that's just warm and nice and nu- nutritious and, and familiar and, f- and it's just beautiful. And, and for me, one of those passages in the Bible is uh, that that is really is that chicken soup for the soul is Psalm 23. And as I've um, been working on this message for a little while, God, just, I just keep feeling God saying, preach Psalm 23, just simply preach it. And I'm like, but it's so done, Lord. And I'm like, and I, you know, I like to preach exciting and there's revelation and all of these things. And like, and, but sometimes you just need chicken soup. You, you don't need to be going out for an exciting meal. You don't need to be trying this new recipe or this new, you just need something that's just for now. And, and, and I really just, I, I want to, um, I'm just going to preach and teach Psalm 23 in a way that I hope turns it into one of those chicken soup for the soul scriptures for you, where it's a go-to, somewhere where you can, when, you're, when you need just comfort, when you need, when you don't have anything in you and you need something, you can turn there and actually just have this warm embrace from God. Amen. So I'm just going to read Psalm 23 to start with, and then we'll work our way through it. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what I'm just going to do now, I'm just going to walk through Psalm 23, and I just want to take these vegetables, take this stock, take this chicken, and we're going to put it into this palatable, uh, just just sit back and wait for some some fresh bread and butter, and, and, and I just think God's really going to minister to us this morning. Um, it, the passage starts, it says, the Lord is my, sh- my shepherd, I lack nothing. Before I even go any one step further, to, re- 
get the most out of any passage, but if you're just going to be sitting and, and receiving from God, one of the things we really need to do is actually learn how to digest the word, to learn actually how to absorb it. And and and, and it, the the scriptural there's there's different types of meditation. You've got the Bible talks to us about meditating. You get some other interesting ideas about meditating, and they they. But when the scripture talks about meditating, talks what it's actually talking about is it's talking about it's like a rumination. It's actually the closest sort of understanding we've got. It's like is a cow. I mean, it's a bit rank, right? But a cow chews on the grass, right? For those that, no, let's just go all in. Cows have four stomach chambers. A cow chews on the grass, brings it back up, would swallows it, chews, brings it back up, chews on it again puts it down into the second chamber, brings it back up, chews on it again, so it pours, and then it goes and comes, this is how you get milk. You wonder how grass turns into milk? Four chambers. And, and this is, when the Bible talks to us about meditating, it's actually talking to us about processing and spending time with what the passage says. And there's a way that, I like that, that I've been taught how to do this, which is, and, and really it's talking about not rushing, where here it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. We're not talking about thinking about that passage. We're thinking about the first word, thee. Stop. Thee. Think about thee. Singular. Definite article. One. Only. Precise precision. A particular. Thee. Let it go down. Lord, it's actually the Hebrew word Jehovah is the word here. God most high, the God, God, creator of heaven and earth, creator God. Let, let it go down. Is, present tense, now, to go forward and it is still, or was and it is still, always, is, now. My, not yours, not theirs, not him, my, me, my. One of the earliest words you learn, know the mind, my. The Jehovah, the God, is my shepherd, carer, takes care, nurturer, directs, feeds, nourishes. Includes, leads, sleeps with, stays with. Scripture context puts his body on the line for. The Lord is my shepherd. And this is this is how we we want to get every piece of nourishment out of the scripture. There's nothing wrong with taking your time. You know, when you're not feeling well, sometimes you can't eat real fast, you can't eat much. And those little bits you can, you want extra salt in it so you get some flavor. You want extra, put some chili in there so you can know you've got some food happening. He goes on and it says, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. The New King James translation says, I shall not be in want, shall not want. 
say, right, my, being the king of heaven, the creator God, is my shepherd. That's the context. The outcome is, I have no lack. I love the the King James that says, I I want nothing. I want for nothing. Because like need is a really, prisoners have no need. Sons and daughters have no want. And I remember the first time I was reading this and I was um, going through the Adult and Teen Challenge Drug Rehabilitation Centre in Esperance. It's in a farm on the edge of the desert, no running, no no piped water. It was all, all the water was either rainwater we stored, we caught and stored, or groundwater we pumped and didn't drink, want to drink that stuff. And when you'd run out of the rainwater, you'd have to get swimming pool water shipped in from town to drink. I mean, I don't know, it probably wasn't from the swimming pool, tasted like it was from the swimming pool. So you didn't ever want to run out of rainwater. And the worst thing was about it is that the rainwater is the most amazing tasting water you could possibly ever think of. You're in one of the most remote places on earth and you've got rain and it just, it just tastes like liquid heaven. And then you go from that to swimming pool water. And so you never want to run out of, and I remember one summer, it had been a drought for a couple of years and I'm like, gosh, I don't want, God, I don't want to run out of rainwater this summer. And in this property, there's 50 of us there. There was rainwater tanks all over the place. I lived in a house with 16 guys. It was the biggest house of all of, all of the property. And we had the smallest rainwater tank of everyone. This was always the tank that ran out first. And I was like, God, I don't want to run out of rainwater. And that summer, sure enough, every tank ran dry, except for the one little one that was servicing 16 guys. And, and it's just like, I wasn't going to die of thirst. The swimming pool water tasted gross, but it kept me alive. And it's just like, that's just God being cool. That's just God being cool. Like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And as we reflect on that, in um, we look at, in, in Psalm 27, it says this, Psalm 27, 13, it says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. When we're meditating, when we're spending time chewing on this, there's no rush, guys. There's no rush. We're meditating, understanding that God is a good God who loves you and he wants to be good to you. That's the context of your relationship with God. You will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You will. wait the strength will come as we meditate as we spend time the strength comes rejuvenation comes you know one of the things that they say about when you're not well the best thing you can do is not much you just relax bring downtime and you it says wait for the lord be strong and take heart and wait for the lord one of the best things you can ever do is is learn to chew on scripture like this is learn just to absorb it he makes me lie down in green pastures. Next chapter, next verse rather. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You see here it doesn't say, can we put that up now? He makes me lie down. He doesn't say he asks me to. 
Can I tell you something? He does actually ask you to first. If you're anything like me, you're like a bit up and down with your ability to follow instructions. He says, he makes me. Because remember, we were introduced to this shepherd with the word Lord, which is the Hebrew word Jehovah, which is actually the creator God. He says, the creator God makes me. We're dealing with this massive entity, this humongous power that makes me lie down. So basically, it's like, you will have your rest. You will have it. And some of the time, so Pastor Malcolm, um, he's probably one of the hardest workers, and, and he's known worldwide as being superhuman, and I'm not even exaggerating at all. No, globally, he's known as a freak. Like, and people, I'm, it's, it's true. It's true. His work ethic, it's not even his work ethic, it's his capacity to actually go is phenomenal. He's in his 60s and I'm in my 30s and I'm trying to keep up with this guy and he's running me into the ground like on a regular basis and I'm just looking at him and I'm thinking, yeah, that's going to be me when I'm in my 60s. And he, he taught me, he's like, when you go hard, you go hard, but when things slow down, slow down. It's rhythms, there's rhythms. And one of the issues that we have is we don't follow the rhythms. And a lot of, you know, the main reason I see people, myself included, not follow the rhythm of slowing down is because we feel guilty for slowing down. So you day off and you feel guilty for stopping. You feel guilty for putting your feet up. Your, your brain goes through all these different things. If you're married, you're not just feeling guilty for that, you're afraid to do it. <laughs> There's the honeydew list. You're like, is this worth it? And, it, and it's like, you know, and something in us is just like, we don't like to stop. Like we want to, but we don't feel like we're allowed to. But we have to understand that the God of the universe created life with rhythms. The rhythm, you know, to, to really understand the rhythms he put in life, he, he actually said, take a day off. Take one day off. Do you know what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you? I'm actually going to take a day off. You think God needs a day off? He takes one off anyway. Like it's a rhythm and he, he wants us to walk in it. And another crazy thing is that he taught his people, he said, guys, yeah, I want you to, and he, and he taught him this calendar and the calendar went something like this. Work uh, Sunday to Friday, that's your week, Friday night, you know, call it, call it off, and then you're done till Saturday night. So basically, you've got Saturday off, so Friday night, Saturday off. Then, for six years, you work like this, and then you take one year off. And, and there was a, I have a down year, I have a year down, no planting, no, and all of these things, and and his people were actually able to follow the take a day off thing. They could get their head around that. It's pretty weird how they got their head around it. You want to find some pretty interesting... The, 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 Israel, the Jewish people have got some pretty interesting ways of taking a day off. And they take it like some... To really understand it is they, they had to put all these rules. They're like, how can I take a day off? Oh. And they had to make all these so many rules just instead of chilling and slowing down. They had to make rules around it like, okay, you can't light a fire. That's work, so we can't light a fire. So it's like, okay, how do we light a fire? But we need a fire for the next day. So if we light a fire the day before, keep it light. Ah, I haven't done any extra work. 
seriously. And even now to this day, some people follow that and they don't even use light switches. They use a dimmer. So you don't technically start a fire by flicking a light. It's true, man. This is and, and, and it, but that's not what God's talking about. He's talking about having a down day. But then he goes on and he tells them to take a down year. But they never did it. And then later on, way later, way, way later down the road, in fact, 70, 70 cycles later, 70 cycles later, where they missed 70, one year off, six, day, six years, one year, 70 cycles later, they actually, the people were taken into exile and the land got its rest. It, it, it's, you will get your rest. Well, if God says it, it will happen. And if you don't do it, he will make you. So let's not be people who he makes you. But sometimes you're all busted up and sick, and it's God's like, why are you letting me be sick? And God's like, I know, you needed to stop, man. Now you're stopped, and you're not going to be destitute and cold and hungry in your stop, but you're not going to be able to make choices in it because you were made to stop. And, and sometimes this happens, and it's just like, you know what? This is the time to stop fighting. You fought it before because you were guilty. Now you're sick. You can actually give yourself permission to stop. Okay, that's not, not God's best, but it's better. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Green pastures and waters, he refreshes. He's t- talking about the rejuvenative effect of nature. He's actually talking about how nature rejuvenates us. You ever walk along the beach and you just feel better? Yeah. Who would have thought? Psalm 23, verse 2. He makes it lie down. The the waters restore my soul. He's actually talking about there are certain things that light you up. There are certain things that refresh and regenerate you. It's so important we actually know what our things are. And, and to be able to plug into them. But one of them there is nature. It says it so clearly. Green pastures and waters rejuvenate your soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Sometimes you wonder how you got here. And you're like, this is not really what I planned. This isn't what I'd hoped for. This isn't, how did I get here? And I don't necessarily mean in like, like I talked before about being down at Adult and Teen Challenge. I remember sitting there at one point thinking, how did I get here? I'm not talking about that. Sometimes it's just like, wow, I didn't see my life turning out like this. Like you might be finding yourself in church on a Sunday morning. You're like, this isn't actually how I thought it was going to work out. Or sometimes you'll like put your you know, you turn your head over the back shoulder, you, over your shoulder, and you've got like three kids sitting across your back seat. You're like, yeah, right. Wow. How did I, you know? And you get these things, it's just like, wow. But it says, He guides us, He directs us. And this is, and I tie it into verse four. It says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It says, He guides us, and even though we walk through the darkest valley, these two are tied together. I love how they're next to each other because, and it doesn't explicitly say that he led us through the dark valley, but it doesn't say he didn't lead us through the dark valley. So what I want to do is I want to address the dark valley. Sometimes the dark valley that we are walking through, God led us along it, through it, because he 
guides us along right paths. And sometimes those right paths are through a dark valley. Sometimes we take a wrong turn and we go through a dark valley. You know, then people say, well, everything happens for a reason. And sometimes the reason is you're an idiot. And you, you, you just, like, but even in those times it says, I won't be afraid because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this is the most beautiful picture. <laughs> you know, a lot of us will have heard this poem, and it's, it's called Footprints in the Sand. And, and I'll read it to you. It says, one night I had a dream. I dreamed I was walking along a beach with the Lord. And across the sky flashed scenes from my life. From each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to me and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of my life flashed before us, I looked back at the footprints on the sand. I noticed that many times along the path of my life, there were only one set of footprints. I also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times of my life. This really bothered me, and I questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I've noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there is only one set of footprints. I don't understand why in times when I needed you the most, you would leave me. The Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you and I would never leave you during your times of trial and suffering. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. When we go off on our own little tangents and we find ourselves in this dark valley, God's there. He's there. The scripture says that I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. In this passage here, it says that I won't be afraid because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's never an absence from God. And even if we're going in a direction that God doesn't want us to go, He's still there. And, and, this, and this is this p- picture where there's one set of footprints. I want to show it to you in Scripture. Uh, Luke 15, 3, it says this, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 and in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. He calls his friends and his neighbors and says together, uh, neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. There are these times where when we in our dark valley that we got ourselves in. And it's like Jesus will just Shanghai you. He will just come, grab you. There's nothing in that, pa- pa- that, that parable that says this, the sheep was, had any say in coming back with the shepherd. There's no like the sheep turned around and politely wandered back after the shepherd's voice. It's like, nah, man, the shepherd grabbed the thing, picked it up against its will, popped it on its shoulders and walked that way with it. And sometimes that's you and me. Sometimes we're just so busted up and so at the end of ourselves, we're like, I give up. And then before we know it, we're back and, and, and we're back in the fold and it's just like, So sometimes the valleys are our own fault, but sometimes Jesus leads us through the valley. Sometimes we're at the darkest point in our life, and we're like, God, I did everything you said. I didn't do anything wrong. You said to be generous in that area, and I was, and now I am so short. You, you, you said to 
stand by this person through this relationship. But it, it's gotten worse. You said to not cut that person off. But now they're spitting it back in my face. Or you said to, to cut that person off. And now my heart's breaking beyond what I can bear. We're in this dark valley, and sometimes that valley goes for years. Sometimes that valley is called cancer. Sometimes that valley is called divorce. Sometimes that valley is called bankruptcy. Sometimes it's called a broken dream or a lost dream. And we're like, God, I didn't do anything wrong, but I'm here. And, that's, and God's saying to you in that hole, in that dark moment, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Another place it says he won't, be, he won't let you get tested beyond what you can endure. So if you're in a situation right now, the good news is, is you can handle it. Another place it says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you're in a situation right now, it means you can handle it. So we're finding ourselves in these valleys, whether it's our own fault or whether we're actually, God's got us on a journey and the only way to the place where he wants to get us is through this valley. And we have to learn to be okay with that. We have to learn to be able to sit and rest and say, you know what? This isn't the journey I would pick. It's not the directions I would pick. I like the green, I like the, the green grass and the chilled water. No one said nothing about dry valleys with no light and all of this. It's like, but okay, but okay. And it goes on and in this context of in the hard time, and it, then it says something cool. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. At your worst, when the, when the fight is thickest, when the enemy is so present, when the bankruptcy is imminent or even past, when the cancer is there and it says fatal, when the loved one you hoped would be healed is now, you buried them, when that wedding, that marriage that you hoped was going to last is now gone, that child that you believed God was going to heal is not here. It's the worst it could possibly be. It's gone and it's past that. At that point, it says here, no matter how bad it gets, at the worst, it says here, I will prepare a table before you in the presence of everyone who would sit in judgment, of everyone who would look down. I will make you shine. I'm going to bless you in front of them. I'm going to bless you. And make it so evident that my hand is on you. And it goes on and it says this next step. And it says that you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. That anointing can't come so often on the front side of the battle. Sometimes your anointing comes from what you went through. Sometimes the overflow comes because of what you experienced Sometimes the call and the hope and the dream that you thought died just could not be born in that vessel. The scripture says you can't put new wine in an old wineskin. Sometimes the old wineskin's got to die. 
Sometimes the fire, all it's doing is killing, is, is destroying the old wineskin. But God says, I'm going to do it in front of people. I love the passage and I, and I use it a lot because it just speaks to me. In Jeremiah 33 and verse 9, it says this. It says, this city will bring me renown, joy, praise and honor before all nations on earth that hear of all the good things I do for it. And they will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I provide for it. The context of this is a massive restoration of a, of a, a destroyed city. Where God is saying, I'm going to take something that was so messed up and I'm going to make it so amazing that people are going to look at it and go, wow, God, you are amazing. That's what God wants your life to look like. God wants your life to be Something that people are going to look at and know that he's amazing. Something that people are going to look at and go, wow. And, and here it doesn't even say that so people would, you know, think, hey, this Jesus is pretty nice. Maybe I would like to spend some time with him. It actually says that they will fear him. They will be in awe. Because why? Remember, all goes back to the start. The Lord. The Jehovah. The Creator God. We're dealing with the creator God, the one who spoke and it was. I love that um, these new photos that have come out of the galaxy, of like all these amazing galaxies and stuff. You still can't even get a good photo off my phone, but we're working on that. We're, and it's just like, that's the God that spoke those into being. I was reading something and there's these beautiful pictures of all these little bright lights and, they're all, and then it's actually saying that each of those bright lights is its own galaxy. Like it wasn't just a star or a couple of stars. Or each one of those little was its own galaxy. It's like mind-blowing. And this was the God who just went and, and, and breathed them into existence. That's the God who is your shepherd that walks with you. And that changes his deepest dark valley into a little crack in the sand. When you think about it like that. You know, like sometimes you'll see a little crack in the concrete and there's an ant walking through it. Well, just know that that ant is going through the hardest time of its life in the deep, dark valley where it's terrified and praying and using every ounce of its faith and praying and fasting and believing and stumbling and going backwards and forwards and all of this stuff. And, and, and then God is like this one who's just like, I'm here, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so when, when it's saying here that he's preparing a table before me, sometimes if you're in the storm, if you're in the valley, you just got to be like, cool. All right, let's just get it done. God, what are you wanting to do in me? What are you wanting to do in me? What are you trying to prepare in me so I can handle the anointing that is coming my way so that my cup can overflow? And then I love the finish of it. The finish is so strong. It says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And you've got to understand that this guy that wrote this poem, this song, because all the Psalms, they're songs, they're a hymn book. The word follow isn't like, you know, when you're like little kids playing chase and they're following or a mum calling their little child, follow me, come on. No, 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 this is a killer. This guy seriously is a killer. He's a warrior. He's a hunter. This word follow is actually aggressively hunt down and chase. He's saying that the goodness of God is hunting you down. All the days of my life. 
And then it finishes with this amazing, I love how at the, the end of it, it just the bookend of it's amazing. It says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The end of this chicken soup for the soul. Which is easily the most famous psalm, probably the most famous passage of scripture. Finishes with, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And yeah, it's talking about eternity in heaven, but it's not just talking, it's talking about church. It's talking about being in the house of God with God's people. King David was talking about gathering at the temple or gathering at the synagogue with his people at the, uh, the tent of meeting. For us, it's gathering in the church. This whole journey, it comes around and it's just like, man, the pinnacles of life is actually being able to gather. And I just wanted to be able to give us that psalm in a way that when we read it, when we've got nothing else we can actually have the emotional energy to read maybe, or maybe you just need to eat something just warm and comforting and familiar, go back there, go back there, and just remember as you're walking through it, this is the God of heaven and earth who loves me. I have a confident expectation of good, that yeah, he doesn't want me to go without, yeah, no matter what I'm going through, he's here with me. Yeah, he can get me through it. Yeah, I'm going to come out of it stronger. No matter what happens, I'm coming out stronger. No matter what happens, I'm going to come out and I'm going to shine. No matter what happens, I'm going to gather again. Amen. I'm going to pray. Lord, And as I was just praying and preparing this message, I, I had this just this sensation of like warm water going over his soul. Just warm water, just 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 running, just just comforting, warm, just comfort. Holy Spirit, that you just would do that to us right now. You just would flow over us and comfort us. Comfort us, Lord God. Teach us to read your word as you'd have us read it, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the emotional experiences we have when we encounter you. We know that's not what it's about, but Lord, sometimes you know that we need it. We need to know you're close. We need to feel the embrace of our Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit, you know where every person's at this morning. Lord, that you would meet them there. You would visit with them. Holy Spirit, as we are coming through just a, a crazy time in, in our history, we lift up our eyes. We put them on you. We thank you that you're not left us one step of the way, God. No matter what's going on, whether it's our mistake or whether it's just a trial of life, you've not left us one step. And sometimes you've even just rescued us from our own choices, Lord God. 
just with every head bowed and every eye closed, you know that this God we've been talking about, he loves you. He wants a personal relationship with you. You know that Jesus came to the earth as a human, died on a cross as a human. Rose again on the third day. So that anyone, anyone on earth that wanted a relationship with Jesus, with, with, with our Heavenly Father, with God, with Jehovah, the Creator God, could have one just by believing in Him. We're going to pray a prayer, church, and you know, if you pray this every week, if you might have prayed it a hundred times, if you've never meant it, today's your day to connect. If you've never prayed this prayer, and you want to connect with God, today's your day. And if you pray this prayer every week, and every week it means the world to you. This isn't just another moment just to realign and reconnect. But we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray it out loud. I'm just going to ask just to repeat it after me if you want to. If you're praying this for the first time, and you want to be included in this prayer, just join in. Just repeat after me, church. Dear God, today I choose to follow you. Please forgive me for living life my own way. I will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you praying that prayer and you're praying that for the first time, or maybe you're reconnecting with God, no one's looking around. I just would love it if you could just pop your hand in the air so I can see it. I would love to have a chat with you after and pray with you. I really believe just something really holy happened in your heart. Just one moment longer. Hey, I'm just going to pray a blessing on us for our week as we go. Lord, I just thank you for everyone in this house, Lord, for this amazing church, for this amazing body, for this amazing family. Lord, you've just done so much more for us than we deserve, and we're so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Should we worship a little? Let's just stand to our feet and let's let's just let that word just soak in and let just God do just some ministry in our hearts, eh?